Uh, thank you for tuning in here to Trainwreck tonight, 322 on Instagram, Twitter, X, and YouTube. All I got to say is our intern is fired. I do not allow our intros to be hijacked like that, but let's get him in here. Matt Perino, welcome to Trainwreck tonight, 322. Bro. First of all, I want to know how long whoever did that, it took them to put that together. There were videos that you had to kind of find like on the great deep dive of the interwebs. Uh, there were there were some hidden nooks that our intern was getting into. So just as much as they're fired, kudos to them for well done. It job. looked like that week or two before I, I, I took that uh, golf swing. I was getting into some chicken wings. Little belly hey, was hanging out there. Dude, our Sorry. swings are very similar. Now they look, we have a great backswing, but it kind of goes right as, as we come down. So we're both going to work on that uh, in 2024. But speaking awesome. of putting in that work, not just talking about what you and Mr. Talbot are doing at New York Upstate. We are talking about a big victory Monday for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a Bills-Cowboys game that honestly, Matt, I had kind of difficulty as a fan comprehending what was happening based on what we've seen all year, mm -hmm. even with the James cook development, even with the spotty, amazing play from the defense, it was all put together for a perfect Sunday here in December against Dallas. Yeah. I think there was a lot of things at play, you know, the, the emotional toll or come down, if you will, for Dallas coming off of that huge win against the Eagles. And now being in a situation where, you know, they're, they're cruising. They're probably not going to win the number one seed. Uh, getting up and playing playoff games for six, seven weeks like the Bills have to do. You know, if you're not in that situation, going across the country, playing a road game, playing in a little bit of elements. Um, and then Sean McDermott, I think, deserves a lot of credit for the defensive plan that he had for Dak Prescott. This was an offense that was absolutely cooking. And, you know, we could sit here and, and pluck out individual performances, like start on the back end. I thought Taylor Rapp in for Micah Hyde was absolutely awesome. Uh, playing safety, of course, but also his work in the box. Like he had there, there's that one sequence where he had that big tackle for a loss. You know, I think the Bills were up maybe 21 to three at that point or 20. I can't remember the exact score. It was 14 to nothing. I'm a little bit under the weather. So it's a little bit, the details, a little bit murky. But he makes a big tackle for a loss on a second down. The next play, it's Ed Oliver getting pressure, tipping a pass from Dak Prescott. Jordan Phillips knocks it down. Could have been an interception, and they have to settle for a field goal. The Bills at every stage of this thing kept with what was working with the run game on offense and Joe Brady. Didn't even need to really deploy uh, Josh Allen. And then defensively, they never gave Dak Prescott in this offense any signs of life. Try to keep going. Oh, we lost him. We, we lost uh, the host. It booted me out. It booted me out. But go, keep <laughs> go on. No. And so, you know, I think you, you look at this thing from a holistic perspective. It's this massive win, 31 to 10, home against the Cowboys. A lot of, a lot of Super Bowl hype around them. But really, the Bills sit here in ninth in the AFC. A lot of things didn't happen the way they probably wanted it to over the weekend. You have the Indianapolis Colts with a very easy schedule the rest of the way. The Denver Broncos with a very easy schedule the rest of the way. And then the Cleveland Browns who are game up and just can't seem to find any way to lose uh, with Joe Flacco, the, the, the uh, resurgent Joe Flacco. So to me now looking ahead, it's almost like the best path to the playoffs is winning the division and the Bills have to win out and they need one more loss. Well, two more losses technically from the Miami Dolphins, including uh, in week 18. Seriously, uh, it's taking it one play at a time here, obviously, but let's get into it. Did Cowboys lay an egg in this one more, or do you think that the Bills dominated, or is it maybe like a 75-25 situation? Because 
you come in. I mean, the Cowboys hadn't lost in like a month plus almost. And then you have the Bills, you know, obviously the little bit, you know, of a resurgence with the offense. And that's obviously feeding into the defensive side of things. But what do you think was a little bit more of or one side yesterday? Well, I think, first of all, the Bills kicked the Cowboys' ass up front on both sides of the ball. Like, that is not the calling card of this Bills team over the last couple of years. I mean, when we talked about, you know, maybe some sticking points for Sean McDermott with Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey, it's because they weren't tough enough on the offensive line. And you look at this season, what they did in the offseason, prioritizing guard in the draft, getting the best of the bunch, you know, Cyrus Torrance. He's been outstanding this season. There's been some lulls. There's been some times where it hasn't been great. But over the course of the season and the continuity now with this five offensive linemen playing the entire season together, they've been about as good as any group in the league. And in terms of pass protection, taking this game out of it because they didn't have to pass protect very much, you know, th that's been the strength of this unit. And then Connor McGovern, Man, I went back and watched the game this morning, and he was absolutely outstanding. I mean, you want to look at some of those runs where the pile is getting pushed. Usually, Connor McGovern has got himself in the middle of that. And I just think that they have a physicality, uh, uh, a mindset that they're playing with now on the offensive side of the ball that I think is making it hard on teams to defend them because they always know they can go scorched earth Josh Allen at any time. Like, he's got that in his bag. He's proven it over the years. But if they can run the ball, if they can be methodical, I thought Joe Brady, when he took over, something he said was, we got to be okay with not getting bored with the easy stuff, the underneath stuff, driving the ball slowly, methodically down the field. When they do that, they're so tough to deal with. And now it doesn't matter who the defense loses. Sean McDermott is finding a way to get contributions. I mean, I'm very upfront about it. UB grad, big Cam Lewis, Stan, if you will, huge game for him. I mean, he had some plays yesterday in those dime packages where he doesn't get on the field if Micah Hyde is healthy. And, and I'm almost wondering now, looking ahead, I don't know what's going on with Micah Hyde. He could be go headed to IR this week. We'll get an update maybe from Sean McDermott today about that. But if he doesn't and he's going to add, add himself back into the mix, you're almost going to have to find ways to get Cam Lewis on the field because I thought he was really, really good yesterday. Yeah, uh, again, all across the board. Uh, you, I mean, you mentioning Taylor Rapp obviously had a great game. It was the first time I even remembered that Micah Hyde did not really play in this game. You know, obviously an amazing effort by the defense. Now let's get into it on this one here uh, because obviously we talked Dallas. We talked, you know, the last couple of games. There's obviously been an offensive resurgence since Brady and the, uh, the defense has been feeding off that. I look at the NFL. I think there's only one team that would be favored over the Bills on a neutral site, and I think it's the San Francisco 49ers. I think there's an argument for the Baltimore Ravens, obviously given the body of work, what they did last night in primetime against Jacksonville, who many still consider a contender with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but ultimately, again, me, San Francisco 49ers, only team I think we'd be an underdog to on a neutral site. I'm curious your thoughts on overall the scape of the NFL. Before we get into the playoff picture, do you, how many teams out there can beat the Bills right now or be confident that they can do so? I mean, there's some teams. Like, I think, like, depending on how a game goes against Miami, they could beat them. I mean, they have offensive firepower, and this is still a defense without Matt Milano, without Tredavious White. Uh, I think the guys that they've plugged in at, at certain spots, Tyrell Dotson has been a revelation uh, the way that he's played. For the most part, since Milano went out, he's been one of the top-graded PFF uh, linebackers in the NFL. But I, I just tend to agree with you, San Francisco – um, I'm not a big believer in Baltimore only because I've seen the quarterbacks, you know, it, it's kind of what I talked about last week going into a December, you know, outdoor game for Dak Prescott. I, I kind of call them December Dak, right? Like that looked like December Dak yesterday. Like when things have gone really well in 
you know, controlled environment early in the season, things get harder in December. And I think over the course of Lamar's career, he has shrunk in those moments. Now, part of the reason is I've always questioned the supporting cast. There's obviously a lot more talent around them. They're banged up at running back. Uh, they rely on a, on an older receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. Who's got a history of getting hurt and a young player in Zay Flowers, their offensive line holds up. Sure. Um, but to your point, I still think the chiefs I'm throwing them in there. I thought there were some signs of life yesterday. I thought Patrick Mahomes, he's got a fire lit under him. They're going to be a hard out no matter what. Um, so I don't know if the, if they'd be favored over the bills, but it would probably be a pick them on a neutral side. I, I think every time the chiefs and the bills play, it's going to be a great game. No doubt. Obviously, those are those are two titans going about. I guess the thing I mean to say out of that is I don't fear anyone. Uh, a right. couple of weeks ago, yeah, I was nervous at the idea of playing like a Baltimore defense with an opportunistic like Lamar taking advantage, things like that. Just not seems to be the case anymore with this the offense still operating the way it is and obviously what you're getting from the defense. Now, let's wind things back a little bit here. Let's talk the Picasso's playoff push. We got it up here. So obviously... You know, it's elation for Bills Mafia. This was 11 days ago. They were looking at 14 to 15% to make the playoffs overall. Now at 72%, uh, two wins and a, a little bit of help last week changed some things here. So we got 72%. Do you think that that number's a little bit low given where their trajectory is? Because obviously there's a lot of math in here, projections, et cetera. But given your feeling for the Bulls of the team, are any of these numbers low or any of them too high? Any, any thoughts on those where the math ends up? For me personally, I think the host of wild card should be higher. I just think that the challenging schedule for the Dolphins and again, their history and the fact that their immediate history, their regular season history, they've not beaten a team with a winning record since week two or week four, whenever they played the Bills in 2022. So I just am not banking on them being able to close this season out with three straight wins. Um, or maybe they do win two in a row and they get to the uh, the the week 18 and it's not for the division. They've already sewn it up, uh, but I'll believe it when I see it. And plus they're going to be playing a pretty upset uh, Dallas Cowboys team coming off of an embarrassing performance. I think the Cowboys are a little bit more built to deal with what Miami is good at um, than a, a rainy game on the road against the Bills and what they were able to do. Um, uh, the run game is going to be interesting, but they also passed a little bit and their their threat to run with Josh Allen, the Bills, which is also something I think that was in, in play that allowed them to have some success against Dallas yesterday. The Miami Dolphins don't have that. So I think the current odds at 72% is probably about right. But again, I mentioned it. You got to figure the Browns are in already. I mean, I, they'd have to lose out basically to not get in. Uh, and, and their schedule isn't super daunting and they're winning close games. I think the Broncos can win out. And I think the... Um, uh, who's the other team there that I mentioned? Oh, the Colts. They could definitely win out. And, and they got the tiebreaker. And I think, what's their record right now? Are they game up? Or are they? I think they're tied at, uh, with the Bills. Let's see. Let's pull it up here, given the NFL escape. Uh, yeah, we got the Colts at eight and six right now. So tied with the Bills. Uh, and the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to probably fall off. But I keep saying that. I thought they, they had a good chance of losing against Minnesota, and they found a way to pull it off. There's a lot of teams that are still in the mix here. And then Houston, who's this plucky team, probably gets C.J. Stroud back at 8-6, and six, and they have the playoff tiebreaker over the Bills now too. So um, it, I don't know. I, I'm not sitting here, even though I think the Bills can win out, I think there's a scenario that could play out. While maybe not likely, they can win out and not make the playoffs, which how brutal would that be? No, that would be brutal. That's not going to happen. Don't even speak that into existence here on the Picasso's <laughs> playoff push on Trainwreck tonight. Matt Perino. But uh, let's speak something in existence. Let's talk this uh, real 
quick before we get into the Chargers. More intimidating since the Dorsey dismissal to you. The McDermott defense and the opportunistic way they've played or the Brady offense and just kind of the balance and everything you've seen there. You know, I was kind of looking at it. Obviously, there's a lot tied in to the timing because when you're getting a little bit better on, you know, the be- the best defense is a good offense, yada, yada, all these, you know, coach speak and every these things that have existed. But you look at it, yeah, they really seem to have played well off of one another. Uh, with that said, I, I'm going to go first on this one. I'll say that the more intimidating thing to me has been the Brady offense, uh, only because I think everyone knew the McDermott defense was kind of a steady thing these last five to six years. Even in 2018, when they were getting blown out by some teams, they were still finding ways to show up some weeks on defense. Uh, but you look at it, I mean, there were people, there were a lot of talking heads, Matt, obviously, and they're still doing it. So it's kind of crazy to say, questioning, you know, whether Josh Allen really was a franchise quarterback, whether it was something like with the Madden cover, getting to his head, et cetera, et cetera. So with that said, what do you find more intimidating these last couple of weeks, the McDermott defense or the new Joe Brady offense? Um, no, that's a good question. I think the yesterday's game, if I'm a team watching around the league that might have to play the bills in the playoffs, I'm very intimidated by this newfound run game and it's the way they're running it. Like Dallas knew after a while that they were running basically the same play and they couldn't do anything to stop it. Now Dallas went into this game as one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. If you looked at some of the advanced metrics. So obviously Joe Brady tapped into his game plan specific deal, but they have run the ball better this season. And I think that they, you know, Aaron Cromer probably doesn't get enough of the credit for, what he's been able to do, transforming this offensive line, leading the charge in terms of the run game plan week in and week out. Sean McDermott mentioned that yesterday. Um, but So I agree with you. But I will say that there is this element of it doesn't matter who the Bills lose on defense. They're down, what is it now, six starters? Like if you look at yesterday's game from the beginning of the season, and it doesn't matter. They still find ways to get guys to play at a higher level, uh, they play collectively really good. I feel like they, um, what they do with their pass rush, um, getting pressure and then on the back end holding up in coverage, that isn't probably been talked enough about, like how good the coverage has been on the back end against some of these elite quarterbacks the last couple of weeks. Seriously, held some very potent offenses down, uh, and a lot in the first half too. I mean, you get out to that strong start. The other team becomes a little bit more predictable in most cases. Uh, so that's obviously good to see. Speaking of predictable, I think you can kind of say that the Chargers will probably be unpredictable this week. Two touchdown underdogs coming off a house cleaning, uh, the GM and coach. I feel like everyone in that building, everyone on that sideline is going to have something to prove this Saturday, uh, the Saturday night against the Bills. So with that said, do you think there is like a potential? I mean, these are the kind of the games historically where a lot of, you know, haters would come out and say, you know, these teams, these McDermott squads have struggled when they're 10 to 14 point, you know, overdogs on the road. Any challenge here, any potential for a hiccup, you think, with where this team is and how focused they are right now? No, this is a team that without Justin Herbert, I just don't see a path. Easton Stick, who now has a game on film, is going to go against Sean McDermott, who I think... For all of his faults, you could you could say one of the things over the course of his career that he's been so great at is game planning and shutting down quarterbacks that I think are below, like in their first eight starts of their career. The numbers yeah. are like really bad. Go back a couple of years when he faced Duck Hodges, uh, the phenom in Pittsburgh, kind of halted that hype train pretty brutally. So I think with the way that this defense is playing, going on the road in a must-win game against the Chargers, I think that they're going to create some turnovers. I think the Bills' offense – 
like this defense is in disarray. I mean, Brandon Staley was supposed to be this defensive mastermind and he loses his job. So how does that group uh, react? And I just think the Bills offensively have way too many ways to beat you at this stage for the for the Chargers to be able to hold up. But you're right. Anything anything can happen. Uh, well, no, I'm not speaking it into existence, Matt. Like you talking about the Bills winning out and missing the playoffs with that craziness. No, listen, I, I, I like to be a realist, there, maniac. I'm not going to be and, giving and you some canned BS, okay, on the show. I'm not going to paint a pretty little picture for maniac so he can. If they win out, if they win out, we're going to the playoffs, Matt. All don't right, talk about painting right. a pretty, and don't talk to me about flip flopping after all the nonsense Nate Geary's been pulling the past week. Couldn't even mention his name on here. Uh, but speaking of mentioning what, what, the name, what, what's uh, he been pulling? I've well, he's well, he's trying to pivot now and say that you know he was he was reverse jinxing the Bills. He had a very infamous tweet where said that he said Chiefs, Cowboys, Dolphins, you're not like winning all those three. It's over with with five A's. Oh, he hit the he hit him with the over. It's with over. The a? It's over. Ah, Nate, yeah. buddy. I mean, you know, over, and we over. love him here. So like, you, you know, we hate that, but we also love holding people accountable. So it's a, uh, it's, it's blurred. Well, I can, you can hold me accountable. I thought that as they were getting to the, at, on the heels of the Broncos game, I thought they might fire Joe Brady. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Bad take. Bad take. Uh, now, that's part not, of the reason for that, in- here's the thing. We didn't really know a lot about the relationship between Allen and Brady that was kept very like in-house as opposed to Dorsey who Brady was so close with Brian Dable talked about it for years. So that almost felt like the, the easy answer at offensive coordinator when Dable left, I didn't really know much about Brady. And even, you know, when, when you ask anybody in the locker room, like people didn't talk about him. He was very tight with Josh Allen. And, you know, since he's taken over, what we've seen is like, he has this ability to connect with people that I think is helping him a lot. You know, the juice that he brings to practice. Like if you've been to out to a practice and you, I've seen you out of training camp, Ken Dorsey's a very like methodical, even keel. Like he gets fired up. Of course. Like we've seen the the clip of him in the, in the press box, but like on the practice field, like you're not seeing a very demonstrative in your face style where that was Brian Dable. And I think that's what this group kind of thrived off of. I think Brady brings a little bit more of that. I just didn't know enough about the dynamics, uh, but it's obviously worked. Seriously, in more ways than one. Uh, just real quick before we get on to another line of inquiry I have for you. Uh, do you think 20 to 25 touches as a floor for Cook is like the new reality going forward this season? Or is it more no. still a little take what the uh, defense gives you? Yeah, no. I- I'm never going to say that a running back is guaranteed 25 touches in this offense for this team, for this head coach. Like, uh, it's it's been too many head-scratching, hair wanting to pull your hair out kind of moments where they've not done that in the past that, you know, it's working right now, but what happens if it doesn't work for two drives in a row? Do they take the foot off the gas? Do they go in a different direction? Do they kind of, you know, bang uh, Latavius Murray into the back of the line, like six or seven times in a game. I'm glad that we didn't see a lot of that yesterday. I get the goal line looks, but uh, I almost would rather them put Ty Johnson. And I think they're, they're evolving into that. Like I think Ty Johnson before long is going to be the goal line back too. He's just got more energy, some more juice. Like he's got younger legs. He's quicker. He's in short area quickness. Um, so, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. I will say when James cook is running in the Brady offense, there's a lot of space did not feel like in the James cook runs in the Dorsey offense, there was as much space, you know, so kudos to them for obviously, you know, manipulating the personnel that way, whether it's the, what, what, what was, uh, what was, 
Orlovsky calling it the back hop when he kept like going like behind right. Allen switching sides. Obviously, again, finding things that are going to be affected, taking what the defense gives you. And clearly, there was some defensive cushion in that run game for James Cook and Ty Johnson yesterday. Uh, we got a couple minutes here till McDermott's press conference. I want the inside info. What are you going after? What topic? What are we? What are we going to be asking about? Ooh, I'm really interested in <clears throat> like first of all the dynamic of Joe Brady that has worked. Like you mentioned it, like you, a lot of things look different with Joe Brady from Sean's perspective. What are those things? Like what's made this offense so dynamic, even in the chiefs game where they struggled at times, I think from a methodology perspective, they, it was working like Josh Allen and this offense were kind of humming. They had a couple of mistakes, a couple things that kind of halted some drives, but really that if you would, if they would have scored 31 points in that Kansas city chiefs game, we're talking about the jets, uh, going over 30, the Eagles going over 30, um, you know, the, they scored 20 on Kansas City. I think they could have scored 30. And now they go and they put 30 on the Dallas Cowboys. So it's like this off. Everything has worked in the switch from Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady. I want to dig into like why that's the case. Coach Joe seriously has the boys clicking. And speaking of clicking, obviously, we know we have one week until Christmas. It's the holidays. So let's get into it real quick. Favorite Christmas movies. I, you don't have a lot of content that's undealt to yet on the Internet. So I had to get to this when you said we hadn't done it. Let's go. Are five and four, and then we'll kind of go three, two, one. So it'll all kick it off here. Favorite Christmas movies. Number five. This is a sleeper that's not going to be on a lot of people's list. Jack Frost. Great Michael flick. Ke Michael Keaton plays the dad. You know, fatal death in the, or, you know, in the beginning. Becomes the snowman. Absolutely heartwarming story. Uh, great movie. And comedy. It has basically a little bit of everything. Great movie, choice. Fourth movie, I'm going back on. I'm going for straight Christmas Santa believe vibes. I'm going Polar Express. Pour me the hot chocolate. Punch my golden ticket. I'm not going to have a hole in the bottom of my pocket. That's all I'm saying. So what do you got? I got Jack Frost and Polar Express at my 5-4. What do you got? Um, I'm going, I'm a little bit more cliche, I think, in a couple of these. Um, those are, That first one was off the, off the grid, and it's a classic. If it's on TV... I watch it like man, I'm kind of mad that I didn't put it on my top. Five Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton. Great performance. I, I love Michael Keaton. He's been in so many good movies. Multiplicity back in the day. You, you ever seen that? I've seen Multiplicity, but only clips. But yeah, I mean, who doesn't yeah, see Keaton? that's terrible. Go watch yeah, it. That's your okay. that's your homework. Number Thank five you. for me. I'm going with Elf Christmas classic. Can't go wrong with it. A lot of funny moments. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. Very great performance. The dad. Um Will Ferrell. I mean, every my kids are starting to really love it, so it's pumped back into the the, the rotation. Big fan of Elf. Okay, that's five. What do you got for four? Christmas vacation. I, I probably could have put this above a little bit higher, but actually, since I met my wife, I've grown to love it even more because it's like their family's like the pinnacle of their family um, watch list, if you will. Uh, and so I've seen it so many times. And now that I'm a dad and, you know, we do all the Christmas stuff going out and get a Christmas tree, which we didn't do this year because it hasn't been snowing. I don't feel comfortable going out and getting a Christmas tree if it's not snowing and there's not snow on the ground. Is that weird? That's very fair. No, we need some Christmas. I, I was telling my girlfriend, we need the government to like orchestrate something like when they had geostorm and can control the weather. We need spontaneous snow the three weeks up to Christmas. We need Christmas snow day of, and then we don't need any after. Truthfully, let's uh, try and get that going. Um, number three, it's a great pick for your number four because it's number three for me, Christmas vacation. As great as Christmas is, as great as the holidays are, seeing the families, and at the end of the day, can get a little bit crazy. So I think that fan, that movie captures that perfectly. What do you got at number three? Uh, Love Actually. Um, it's a uh, love story, obviously, but kind of a unique way they put it together. I first saw it 
like very early on when I was dating my wife. So we liked it. We, we watched it together and it's kind of part of our like story. Something that we, uh, we think back on, we watch, we try to watch it every, um, Christmas season. And it's just, uh, it's a real, uh, heartwarming, like tearjerker, uh, of a movie. A lot of great performances, a lot of great actors. So your three, four, five is love. Actually Christmas vacation elf. My three, four, five is Christmas vacation. Polar express, Jack Frost. I'm going to jump the gun here. I'm going to go to my number one. It's elf. It's criminally underranked on your list. This is the number wow. one Christmas movie. This gets you believing. It's the funniest Christmas movie by far. It's not even a question. Christmas vacation, with due respect to Christmas vacation and some others, Elf is the number one. And I'm going to slide in at number two here. No, it's not a Christmas story. You're not going to shoot your eye out, kid. It is the Jim Carrey Grinch. It is straight goaded. The fact that anybody cannot think that's a top three Christmas movie is crazy. My top five, Elf. Jim Carrey, Grinch, Christmas Vacation, Polar Express, Jack Frost. So what do you got for your top? Those two? are respectable. Uh, listen, you brought facts and you brought like, you know, some yeah. some backup for why you made those picks. And I respect it. But I and I love Alf. And you're right. Maybe I could have like criminally underranked by you. Yeah, maybe I could have got it up to three. But the criminal part of this extravaganza is nothing else other than you not having Home Alone in your top five. If okay. I was producing this podcast right now, you would be kicked off the screen. Get out. Home Alone is the best Christmas movie that's ever been invented. It is number one with a bullet. Number two, Die Hard. It is a Christmas movie. I will go to my grave saying that it's a Christmas movie. If Die Hard comes on in August, I'm turning the channel. If it's on in December, I'm all in. Every night, over and over again, replay it. I'm falling asleep to it. I'm watching snippets. Okay, uh, John McClane walking through uh, the the big building <laughs> with his bloody feet, glass bloody everywhere, glass give me it everywhere. All. Give it him all. Speaking of giving it all, thank you for giving it all. Your Matt Perino here on Trainwreck tonight, three twenty two. Make sure to go follow him, Upstate New York. Make sure he's got to go talk to McDermott. We got to kick him out of here. It's a shame we got to kick him out of here because we really didn't get to talk any wrestling, which we know Matt loves. Thank you for following us. Make sure you're following him. Matt, go have a good rest of your day. And everyone out there, go have a good night now.